Welcome back, Neta Paulina. How was your trip to Poland? Whitney, it was really something. Against the backdrop of Poland's historical complexity and current challenges, Dialogue Perspectives had a seminar that explored the religious, worldview, and social landscapes of Poland. That sounds fascinating. I can't wait for you to tell me about it. Um, shall we have a coffee and get started? Yes, Henry will join us again next time, so it'll just be an old cappuccino for you and a black for me, right? That's right. Let's start reshaping Europe. It's time. A podcast series of Dialogue Perspectives, discussing religions and worldviews. A program supported by the Federal Foreign Office. Welcome to Reshaping Europe, the podcast that explores new ways of shaping Europe's social and political landscape. I'm Whitney, a human rights advocate. And I'm Neta Paulina, a critical geographer exploring the intersections of space, power and identity. So what kind of seminar was that? So the seminar was from Dialogue Perspectives. They do seminars for constructive and socially oriented religious and worldview dialogue in Europe. You've been a participant too, haven't you? I was. Can you believe that I participated, I think, four or five years? Yeah, I, I think it was I think it was four years that I participated in this program and um okay, something cheesy, it really changed my life. It did. <laughs> it really did. It's such an amazing program. But Neta Polina, for our audience, can you give us like some quick summary of what this dialogue perspective is about? Okay, so basically, Dialogue Perspectives invites talented and committed undergraduate and postgraduate students from across Europe to work together for a year. And with the support of the German Foreign Office, the program trains European leaders from academia, culture, politics, and business to become experts in a new form of dialogue that is socially oriented. It engages a different faith and contrasting worldviews, And the program focuses on intensive critical exchange and the building of a flourishing long-term relationship between the participants. That's beautiful. How did you hear about the program the first time? I heard about it when I was still a student. I think I was in my, I was doing my master's and I met by chance um, some of the organizers and basically we got to talking And they explained that what they were doing. And I remember thinking, I must be part of this. And then, yeah, I, I think, I think I was like a year after you. Mm -hmm. And we had this fascinating first seminar with a focal point of pop culture and religion and how those two go together. Oh, that's awesome. With the wonderful professor, Frederic Moussel. And uh, yeah, I have to tell you, I had the same thing. Like it really did change my perspective as cheesy as it sounds. It sounds cheesy, doesn't it? <laughs> it sounds very cheesy. But I mean, it did, in a, in a, it did in a certain type of way, right? This program, and I don't know how it was for you, but it did hone like my ability to honor and respect the culture and religious and like views and worldviews of others. Um, Let me tell you a little bit about how I experienced these four years with Dialogue Perspectives. You know, I grew up in a very religious Christian family. My dad is from Nigeria. Me and my siblings, we grew up in a church in um, Oberhausen, Germany. And it is a church with members from mostly Nigerian 
and Congolese diaspora communities in Germany. So there's a lot of gospel and praise and worship sessions, and that has been my personal link to religion always, music and worship. And I remember that when in my first year at Dialogue Perspectives, when I was talking to people about this tradition in our church, Everybody was so attentive and listening and eager to participate and learn and sing with me. And I've never experienced that before. And that was such a wholesome experience for me just to be in a room and share how I experience religion or how I experience my faith with others. And I remember the first church service. As you know, every Sunday, <laughs> the program closes with a church service. And we had this mixture of gospel and um, other Christian traditions. It was really, it was, it was just amazing to see every, really every single participant listening to what you, what you had to say, how you felt about your faith. And that made this program or this experience so unique for me. What about you, Neta Paulina? What are your fondest memories? So I think I, I know what you mean. I have that. I think it's so wonderful that we get to experience other people's connection to their spirituality, to how they practice their faith, how faith or worldviews actually influence their everyday life and their participation in society and what they think is important and which values they transport. I also love witnessing that we do give room for all these practices to be shown, but also to be participated in so that it's not only the Christian service on Sunday, but that we have Juma on Friday and that we have Shabbat on um, Friday evening and that we have the Havdalah, the end of Shabbat on Saturday. And that there are moments where, to me, these things do not feel performative. They feel like an, a genuine human connection of sharing one's practice and faith in the hope of finding a connection towards a Europe in which all of these things can exist side by side. And we have only touched upon a section of the seminars because, of course, there is content as well, right? There are workshops where really the horizon is absolutely uh, widened and broadened. And there is workshops on understanding political concepts, on how memory is being engaged with on how we map memory or, you know, all of these different perspectives. But my favorite thing really of all of the workshops, both as a participant for several years and as someone who contributes to the program is the people that we meet. And I don't know about you, but I really think there's some genuine connections that come out of that with people who would not have penetrated my social bubble if it mm -hmm. weren't for this program. Mm -hmm. 100%. 100%. You put that so beautifully and nicely, um, plus one on everything you said. And you know what I tell people when they ask me about dialogue perspectives? There's only this, there's this one story I tell them that basically sums up how I feel about dialogue perspectives. Tell me. And I always tell them about this one Friday where we celebrated the beginning of Shabbat, after that, we had a participant do a recitation from the Quran. And after that, on that same evening, we heard a presentation about Hinduism. 
all like all of these three things in one like one evening and i love this evening so much it stuck to my head because the room was full from the very beginning you know of shabbat throughout this presentation that one of our hindu participants gave on hinduism and everyone was participating like drinking eating listening asking questions and that for me i remember i was sitting there I was like yes this is how the world can look like again very cheesy <laughs> but it's the <laughs> truth right it's like this is how we can communicate and talk to each other and like in the in the future this is how i want the world to look like so it was a bubble i'm aware of mm -hmm. that but it was just so beautiful no i think you're saying something really important because i think the flip side to what you just said is that you get to be aware of your own prejudices and your own lack of knowledge and understanding in this kind of context and not in a way that it's very confrontative that you feel attacked or that you feel like you have failed in a way but rather that you are gaining now and to me that was really really important that i realized how many blank spaces existed in my life and i would say that i had a rather um, what we would call woke upbringing and still to be made aware by the realities of people around me how much this so-called woke upbringing still missed in the nuances of people's lives and the nuances of people's realities and what is important for them in order for the society to be equitable and pluralistic. You know, mm -hmm. I, there, there was really things where I just was unaware. Yeah. No, thank you. Thank you for sharing this. Um, Rita Paulina, and I think that's the core of the program, right? to dwell in complexity and be confronted with the nuances of what it means to be human. Wow. <laughs> right? So you, you said that really beautifully, really. Um, all right. Let us dive into your experience in Poland. What was the seminar about? Well, The title was Mapping Memory, Shaping Present and Future, Exploring the Religious, Worldview and Social Landscapes of Poland. Oh, Mapping Memory. I can see why you are into that. <laughs> you got me. Um, but you would have liked this too. So in Krakow, the historic capital of Poland and the spiritual and intellectual center of the country, we explored the intertwining of the past and present in Polish society the role of religious communities in shaping current debates and discourses. What does that mean? Well, it means that we basically got the opportunity to study the centuries-old religious heritage and contemporary interfaith coexistence. So we were able to meet with local and national scholars and activists from religious communities, civil society, academia, to examine the interactions between EU law, Polish politics, civil society and activism around women's rights, gender equality, and queer minority rights. Mm -hmm. I'm interested in that. Tell me more. So, you know, Poland has been shaped by the historical and political and cultural conflicts of the 20th century. And in the last two decades, I'd say, it has become one of the most important countries in Central Europe. And Poland's importance to Europe has only recently been enhanced by its strategic role in the full-scale invasion of Ukraine by Russia? I have to admit that nowadays, when I hear Poland, unfortunately, 
I, among other things, of course, associated with worrying political developments, attacks on women's bodily autonomy, and headlines about refugees at Poland's borders. But tell me about this seminar. Actually, I think this is a really good place to start talking about it. Our own starting points, our own expectations, and have brought you some impressions from our participants this year. Let me introduce you to some of them, to you and to our audience. I'm David. I uh, study film and theater in Edinburgh and I'm from Germany. I guess I'm just Lisa from Turkey living in Germany. I'm Anas. Uh, I live in Germany. I study social work and I'm doing Erasmus semester in Rome now. My name is Daoud. I am a Norwegian working guy living in Saudi Arabia um, and I'm also Muslim. I'm Fatima and I come from India. Oh, I know you can't see Netta Paulina right now, but she looks really happy to hear this voice. They are some very special people. And a quite diverse bunch, huh? I wonder what it was like for them to come to Poland. I knew you would ask that. So I asked them. <laughs> it was quite nice because I've been here uh, two years ago to actually visit one person from dialogue perspectives. So it's, uh, it's uh, coming back and I already recognized most of the places. <laughs> It was interesting comeback because it's my third time here, but it's with a really different group, more multicultural. Before it was more um, with Jewish group and uh, we went mostly to camps and like was Holocaust education. Mm. So for me now it's a different feeling. It was actually very nice because um, I just arrived in the city and I felt that this is actually how should like old cities look like. <laughs> It was kind of like um, the people are really friendly. Like we started a very like deep conversation with the taxi driver since we arrived. And it was a very good impression, I would say. It's fascinating. Um, it was very fun um, as I am learning every day something new. Uh, it's a cold country uh, arriving from Saudi Arabia. But uh, yeah, I'm enjoying it so far. Poland um, is synonymous with uh, Jews in Auschwitz. So I was keen to know about the Jewish history here. And so I was very excited to come here. There are quite different starting points here. Yeah, and it's just a small selection. I mean, the seminar had 75 participants from 20 countries. Can you believe that? And were they all informed about Poland, about what was going on in the country? It's like you know what I asked next. Um, I was also really curious about the perspectives through which they were experiencing our seminar. So I asked them, what do you know about the recent political events in Poland? I feel like I'm quite informed because in Edinburgh I have quite a few Polish friends. Uh, so yeah, we talk about the events in Poland most like a lot together and reflect on it. So uh, yeah, I feel like I'm in the picture and try to be informed because I have friends and feel affected. I don't know much, uh, but now it's a sign that I should look it up more. Uh, but I just know in a very, as a very general idea that it's considered going uh, more um, suppressed. Not much, actually, because being in Italy now, I'm kind of more um, interested into how the politics in, in Italy works. So I didn't really uh, inform myself about the Polish politics. 
I can't claim that I know much, but uh, I know that it um, is a difficult political landscape uh, from a point of view as a Norwegian guy, uh, seeing it going right-winged. And um, as a Muslim as well, I also understand it's, uh, it's a difficult environment for Muslims and other minorities within the society. Um, not much. Sorry. <laughs> Okay, so some came with more attention to certain issues than others, right? I wonder if that affected their impressions of the country. Let's listen. Uh, well, it's my second time now and I'm really happy to be in Krakow uh, because I liked it the first time <laughs> already very much. Yeah, I just, I love the food a lot <laughs> and um, the people are always very nice here. And I I feel like I haven't had that much time to see the city this time because of the seminar, but it's also nice to do something else this time. But I'm looking forward to have a few days at the end of the week or like uh, I'm staying a bit longer as well to um, see a bit more of Poland. It's cold, <laughs> but at the same time, I think it offers a lot of different um, spirits, a lot of history, but at the same time, vibrancy. And uh, I hope I can explore different cities and not only uh, Krakow as we are now. As a place, like the buildings and the streets looks like really amazing. Like this is how I imagined Germany for <laughs> when I was going to Germany. But yeah, like I kind of forgot that Germany like uh, uh, survived two uh, like two world wars. So far, I'm just talking about like the streets and the like the soul of of the country or of the city. And uh, Krakow is like it still has its charm. It still has its like um, this uh, very old. Like I'm really happy that the taxi driver, for example, he told me like even the, the the Germans when they were here, the Nazis, they decided to save the city because they really loved it because it's uh, it has its charm and like of course it has its dark side as well. But like we're, if we're talking about the city, like the buildings, it's something that is. Um, it has this old thing from like 18th, 19th century that is still like you can see it. You can see like a little bit of broken walls, a little bit of old buildings or a lot of old buildings, actually. And this is something I find it like really, really nice. Like it has a spirit that you can see everywhere. I am enjoying it very much. Cold, 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 but very nice. And I'm, I'm very excited to explore more of the country tomorrow. Yeah, so from what I heard from these sessions, um, I understand that this whole place, Krakow, uh, is so filled and so rich with cultural heritage and um, historical buildings and material culture. So I was very, very excited. And then when we went for the walk, I was like, wow, 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 wow. But um, there was a question which got answered in the session now. And that's the highlight that I'm taking back. The The thing was that it's like how it is in India and many countries, like it's a heritage site. So you're not supposed to touch it. You're not supposed to go near it. You're just supposed to see it. And I was like, what's happening? Because people are living in it. <laughs> And then there was this question, it's like, how, how can you let material culture be lived in? And are you not scared of, you know, like demolishing it or you're like ruining it? And the lady, the nice lady that came today, and then she kind of said, yes, but we have to see the functioning. And we see to it that it's not just a heritage that is just preserved, but we live in it and we function in it. Otherwise, it would be a whole city would be a heritage site. And a museum and nobody would be living. So I, I like this thought that how you can make even material culture livable, 
such that it's part of you, it's part of your culture and it's part of your Jewish heritage and to be proud of. So that's a different way of understanding a Jewish history. I like that. Uh-huh. Okay. Interesting. The participants seem to have different perceptions of Poland. Yes, and I think it's really important to remember that these are just some personal impressions gathered over the course of the seminar, and it's not necessarily a comprehensive picture of Poland, right? But what I found interesting was that despite these different starting points and impressions, we were able to engage in meaningful discussions about Poland's past, present, and future, especially because we met so many different people. I think For a lot of people, when they hear Poland, they don't necessarily think of diversity and pluralism. Right. I mean, Poland is supposedly one of the most homogenous societies in Europe. Isn't something like 90% of the population Catholic? 92.9, according to the Statistical Yearbook of the Republic of Poland. So that doesn't really make me instantly think of diversity. No, I agree. It does not sound diverse when we put it like that. But... Poland actually has a long history of multiculturalism, with a mix of different ethnic, linguistic, and religious groups living together for centuries. Poland has underwent a transformation from one of the most heterogeneous states in Europe to one of the most homogenous in the world. And this was paralleled with the growing importance of the Roman Catholic Church and the idea of a Polish-Catholic bond. There's actually a really great podcast about it, It's called How to Invent a Country by the BBC, if you want to know more. But I think even on our really brief visit there, I noticed that if you peel back the layers just a little, you realize that Poland is not a homogenous country the way we hear on the news, not the way its current government likes to proclaim. There's minority groups in Poland that include evangelicals, Protestants, Jews, Roma, Tatars, Ukrainians, to name but a few. I was not expecting that. I have so many questions. What is life like for them? Are they accepted in society? Do they even feel Polish? And what is going well and where are the challenges for these minority groups? So we visited the Jewish Community Center, the Evangelical Church of the Augsburg Confession in the Republic of Poland, the Romani Foundation, Jadik, the Salam Lab, and the Faith and Rainbow Foundation. And I asked the experts from these organizations all of your questions. Wow. It sounds like you had a really informative and thought-provoking week. Also, a lot of encounters with people. What did they say? I will tell you all about it the next time. Come on. <laughs> I really <laughs> want to know now. Well, you know, I spoke to such fascinating people, and I want to let you hear what they had to say. And for us to be able to position their expert perspectives into the current context of Poland. All right, all right. At least tell me what stood out for you. Ooh, um, in the seminar overall? In your discussions with the experts? I think what really stood out is that there's a lot of voices in Poland that are fighting for plurality in a way that I wasn't aware. And that there doesn't necessarily have to be a distinction between being a minority and being Polish, the way it seems to be portrayed on the media. And that there is, I'm sorry, you asked for one thing, but there's just so much. I'm just going to say one more. Um, <laughs> because I think one of the, the recurring themes was that there seems to be so much discussion right now in Poland on remembrance and commemoration of these different groups, 
of different experiences and narratives. And that really, it captivated me. Um, I, I, I want to know more. I want to learn more. Great. I can't wait for you to tell us about it. Right. So for now, if you look at your coffee cup, you will see that it's time to finish. So our listeners will have to tune in next time to hear all about what these experts think when they hear pluralism in Poland. That's how we keep them hooked. Sneaky. So listeners, if you are as annoyed by the wait as I am, email us. Our email is in the description. But you can also email us with thoughts and if you would like to join our conversation. So that's it. That's it for now. Thank you for joining us on Reshaping Europe. Join us next time as we continue to explore the new ways of shaping Europe's social and political landscape. Bye. Bye.